16th December. My dear Lady Misericordia, I hope this letter finds you well. We have had yet another day of excitement, I'm afraid. I can't help feeling that this adventure has a little too much adventure in it for my liking. When we awoke this morning, all was peaceful. Too peaceful. The dogs had gone, and so had Oxshot. Jim the Finn told us that he had woken up in the early dawn to discover Oxshot untying all the dogs. Before he had been able to do anything, Oxshot had run off, the dogs running after him in a pack. He goes hunting, he said. Jim shook his head, confused. But nothing there is to hunt here. Nothing. What is the belly fool playing at now? said Lord Daunt. The polar bear, said Harry. He's gone after the polar bear. Indeed he had. But he didn't get very far. He stumped back into camp when we were all eating breakfast, managing to look both cross and shamefaced all at once. Dogs ran away. Lost the scent, he said, sat down, sulking. Move dashed fast, bears. Run away? Lord Daunt was aghast. What do you mean, run away? You've lost the dogs? Don't think they like the bear, said Oxshot. Very sensible of them, said the professor, fiddling with the little camping stove he was using to fix his porridge. This is true. They are not liking the bear, these dogs, said Jim. They will run far away. Come back, they will not. Not come back, roared Lord Daunt. You mean this belly idiot has lost the dogs and they won't be coming back? How are we going to continue our journey now? I couldn't take my eyes off the professor's camping stove. I think, my lord, I said, I might have an idea. It was Harry who had the truly clever idea, however. My plan was to use the professor's camping stove and a couple of others we had packed away to create small steam engines. We certainly had enough snow to keep them supplied with steam. We could then use them to power the sleds across the snow. The problem was how. Wheels were useless on the powdery snow, and skis would just slide and wouldn't give us enough grip to push forwards, which was when Harry had his really very ingenious idea. Harry and I quickly set about building the steam engines while the rest of the party spent a couple of hours hammering nails through the long leather straps we'd been using to secure our supplies onto the sleds, Oxshot complaining bitterly all the while. Once they were done, though, we could use the straps as tracks, the nails digging into the snow as they whizzed round, driving the sleds along. We had one slight hiccup, though, when it came to actually joining the tracks to the engines, as we had no drive belts to transfer the spinning of the engine to the wheel that turned the tracks. It was here that Harry once more came to the rescue, with, strangely enough, a couple of pairs of ladies' stockings. He always keeps some around, apparently, because they are extraordinarily useful. We laughed and ribbed him somewhat. "'but he is quite right. "'He showed me how to use one as a fine filter. "'They also make exceptionally strong and elastic binding, "'and most importantly, they make excellent drive belts. "'He really is a most inventive and resourceful young man. "'The professor has promised us both jobs with him when we return, "'and I look forward to working with Harry immensely. "'And so, with our engines fitted, we were soon off, "'chugging over the great white expanse, "'our little engines huffing and rattling away,' as we kept them happily supplied with fresh snow. The weather was starting to clear, and we set out once more under the blue sky of the brief Arctic day, sending up our own little white clouds as we went along. Jim, in particular, was very taken with my Schnoe-Steam-Train, as he called it, 
and whooped and laughed as he shoveled snow, much to the annoyance of Oxshot, who was travelling on his sled. I am, I must admit, becoming worried about Oxshot. He is hardly a friend of mine, but he seems so sad and bad-tempered that it is hard not to feel a little sorry for him. I am not sure whether it is your father's harsh words that have upset him so much, or the escape of the polar bear. Given how angry your father is with him, after all, there seems little point in him capturing all these trophies to send home to you. I cannot now believe your father would ever let him marry you. He has disgraced himself so much. But then, I am not wholly sure that he is collecting all these heads for you. I mean, I am sure he will present them to you, whether you want them or not. But I think he will be collecting them anyway. It has become an obsession with him, a mania. Tonight, as we were setting up camp, for example, I heard him bark with delight and then shout at me. Stand still, you blighter. Before I knew what he was doing, he had bounded over, and with a delicacy I wouldn't have expected from him, flicked something away from my cheek. A mosquito. Oxshot had flicked it on the proboscis with his nail, and stunned the thing. He then bent down and gingerly picked it up out of the snow. Need a specially small plant for this little swine, he said, beaming at me. I assumed he was joking, but he bore the tiny thing away, cupped in his hand like it was a precious jewel. Later, while we were eating supper, he was feverishly at work on something, whittling away at some tiny bit of wood in his lap, barely paying attention to his food, which was something of a relief, I must admit, as our mealtimes have previously been accompanied by a constant stream of complaint from Oxshot about both the quantity and the quality of our expedition rations. Then, after our meal, he gathered us all around the fire and showed us what he had made. A tiny wooden shield lay in the centre of his palm, and in the middle of it, a barely visible speck, the head of the mosquito, carefully removed and mounted on the plaque, and beneath it, in minuscule and careful letters, Mosquito, Arctic Circle. Lord Dawn just clucked his tongue and retreated to his tent, but Harry and I tried to be as encouraging as possible. I don't think Oxshot was interested in what we thought, though. He remained perfectly happy with his evening's work and returned to his tent with his little plaque, singing drinking songs under his breath. We are going to go to bed ourselves now. The professor assures us we have only to cross the mountains to reach our final destination. So near, and yet so far. Yours, in the hope that the polar bear does not come back again, Timothy Hope Esquire, tutor. P.S. Jim, our Finnish guide, is to leave us tomorrow, I believe the professor wants to keep knowledge of our destination as secret as possible. I shall give Jim my letters to bring back with him. <laughs>